These sheep, of course, were vulnerable. Sheep are the most vulnerable animal on the farm. They have no ways of protecting. When predators come, whether they be dogs, wolves, or, or anything else, uh, they can only run. They can only sometimes even just lie down and take all that's coming. They need a protector. And, of course, that is the description of the sheep or the Christian, because we are vulnerable. We have no way of defending ourselves against the powers of darkness. Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak. We're going straight to the message today from the pulpit of our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. Our Father, thank you for the privilege of worship today. Thank you for our Lord Jesus. We pray for the ministry of the Spirit to our hearts through the opening of your word and as we seek to understand the great issues of the gospel. O oh Lord, minister to us. Bless every hearer. May you give them faith as they hear. May it be that seed on good ground. And may your Holy Spirit work grace in every heart. Give power to preach, Lord. I'm only a clay vessel, and I need thy help. Come, breathe upon us. I plead and pray your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today we're looking at another of the I Ams of the Lord Jesus. These are the statements for which the Lord Jesus was stoned, or almost stoned. Uh, these are the statements by which the Lord was claiming more than just prophetical wisdom, but that he was God in the flesh. And here in John 10 and in verse 7, you have the Lord saying, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. The door. Now, aesthetically, a door can be a centerpiece and be the beauty of a building. If a building has a funny door, well, it's going to make it look very odd, and it's going to take away from its whole look. And practically, a door must suit its purpose. A door of an aircraft, well, it has to be aerodynamic, and it has to be airtight, and it has to be accessible should there be an emergency. If you're ever on a flight and you're sitting on the row with the exit door, the flight attendant will come to you and say, do you know that you're sitting right by an exit, and are you physically able and willing to pull the lever and open the door? And of course, we always say we are, because on that row you get a little bit of extra leg room. Not that I need a whole lot of leg room, but uh, usually we say, yes, I'm happy to open the door, but we're also very happy to not to have to open the door because we don't want to be in that kind of an emergency situation. Well, I have news for you today, because you're going to need this door, where the Lord Jesus said, I am the door. You need this door, or you're going to crash into an awful eternity, because this is the door by which any man or all men are going to enter into heaven. A lot of people treat religion like an emergency door. Well, it's there if I need it, but I sure hope I don't need it. 
Well, you will need this door to heaven. The Lord Jesus used superb simplicity when he was presenting gospel truths. And this has to be one of the absolute simplest of them all, where he basically said, I am the door. Now, the picture or the parable, of course, is the Lord's care for the sheep. When the shepherd took the sheep into the sheepfold for the night, uh, he handed it uh, the sheep over to the porter. Uh, this was the night watchman. And his job was to care for the sheep during the hours of darkness. And he would physically, literally, lie across the only opening in the sheepfold. And the sheep would have to get over him, and the wolf would also have to get over his body. He was the door between the sheep and the outer field. And therefore, the Lord, when he said, I am the door, he was saying, I'm taking that role of the porter who lay across the one and only opening of the sheepfold. And he was showing that he was undertaking the security and the safety of the sheep in his care. Now, this must bring you to a serious consideration of your own soul's welfare. Welfare. Are you in good keeping? Is your soul safe? These sheep, of course, were vulnerable. Sheep are the most vulnerable animal on the farm. They have no ways of protecting. When predators come, whether they be dogs, wolves, or, or anything else, uh, they can only run. They can only sometimes even just lie down and take all that's coming. They need a protector. And, of course, that is the description of the sheep or the Christian, because we are vulnerable. We have no way of defending ourselves against the powers of darkness. We have no way of determining the state of our soul beyond the grave when the breath leaves our body and we breathe our last and we go out into eternity, we need a Savior. We need a shepherd. We need one that cares for us. And this is what the Lord speaks to us about here today. Jesus stated that he's the door. He's the door to heaven. It's a fantastic claim. It was the parable of the Savior's work for his people to save them and keep them. And it's a staggering statement, a fantastic statement. I am the door. Now, there's a number of very important lessons that we need to learn from this very simple statement. And by the way, this is what sometimes turns people off Christianity. They say, it's too simple for me. Well, do you want it clumsy? Do you want it to be something that's mind-bogglingly uh, beyond us? Do you want it rocket science? Here's the simplicity of the gospel. Jesus, the Son of God, saying, I am the door. And we notice here that the door is a living person. I am. I am the door. Now, in this scene of the eastern shepherd bringing the sheep to the fold for keeping by night, it was the porter who lay across that doorway. And it was a living body that was the door. 
It was a living person who formed the door. And we see that as the main point or truth in the I am's of the Lord Jesus. Christianity is a person. It is not an institution. Salvation and access to God the Father is through the person of the Lord Jesus. And we have to stop thinking about systems and organizations behind our salvation. You must get rid of the idea that beyond your faith, your way to heaven, there is some kind of a head office, that there is a monastery, or there is an organization that is pulling the strings and making things function for your good welfare. There's none of that. Now, there are such organizations, and there are uh, religions that are very organized, but not one of them has the power to save your soul. Not one of them can make you one whit better for heaven, because there's only one person who can give you the gift of salvation and bring you into peace with God. And the plan of God, the way of heaven, the way of salvation, is through the Son. I am. This is the message of the gospel. And it's by personal relationship with the Lord Jesus alone. It is to accept him alone as the way by which you will enter heaven. You cannot take the I out of Christianity. You do that, you end up with an empty, mere man-made organization. Christianity is Christ. That's the very name of it. Christianity is the people, the disciples, the believers who depend on the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the salvation of their souls. And God has made his Son to be the mediator, one of the great gospel texts in the New Testament that answers the question, 1 Timothy 2.5, there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. And I want to announce it very loud and clear here today. I am not a mediator between your soul and heaven. I am not the middleman. I am not some kind of uh, pointer that can make you right with God. I cannot save you. I cannot write your name in the Lamb's book of life. My blood will never wash away your sins. My invitation can only be in the name of the authority of Jesus the Savior. And so we emphasize what the Lord is speaking here, that your faith must be in the person of the Lord Jesus. Now, is that true? Is that your, is that your salvation? Is that your hope? Or have you resisted this idea and said, well, I, I'm glad to be interested in religion. I'm glad to have the form of godliness. But I don't want to sit at the feet of Jesus and surrender my life to him. Well, what are you going to do with this statement where our Savior said, here in this verse 9, I am the door. I am the door. Secondly, 
There is only this one door for all men. I am the door by me, by me. And it's instructive that there is only one door in this fold. You can imagine the sheep pen, however many sheep are gathered in. And it may be circular, it may have corners, but there's one door. And there the porter, the watchman of the night, lay across to guard the sheep. Now that parable, that picture that is given, which was real biblical farming, that scene is in keeping with every example we have in the Bible of one door the way to heaven. In Noah's ark, there were eight people saved. Noah, his wife, his three sons and their wives. Eight people. But in that ark, there was one door. And God shut that door. And God made that the door by which everyone went in and out. Then again in the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a tent pitched in the desert, and around it there was a fence made of material. There were poles in the sand, and they were held up by strings that went out at an angle. And that fence right around the tabernacle had one opening at the front, an amazingly wide door, but it was the only one. And when that tabernacle, when it ceased to be temporary, became the temple, one door, one way of access into the temple, into the presence of God. And God has only one Son, one Savior that He presents to the world. And for any man to reason that there are many ways to God is contrary to everything that this Bible teaches. It has to be the most wicked lie of modern-day religion. Oh, we're all just children of God, and we're going to God different ways. That is the exact opposite of what the Bible teaches. The church is for those who are in relationship and who have put their faith in the Lord Jesus. And they profess faith already. The only way that you can come into the church is through the door, by faith in the Lord Jesus alone. We believe in this church in a born-again membership. We believe that when people come and say, look, we love this church, we want to be among this people, and we want to join. Well, the first question that we will ask, are you born again? Are you a believer in the Lord Jesus? Because membership in the church is not first, but to be a member of the family of God through Christ is first. And when you have your personal faith in the Lord Jesus, and you make that profession, and you display the life of Christ in your life, then you're welcome to become a part of the visible body of the Lord's church. And you've got to get that order right. And if you get that the other way around and think by joining the church you become a Christian, it doesn't happen. Jesus alone is the door. You know that little chorus? One way and only one, and yet its sides are two. I'm on the inside. On which side are you? Can you answer that? Are you on the inside? 
Have you entered by the door, the only door that God has ordained to save his people? Then also there is certainty of salvation by entering this door. Look at the text. It says, by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Oh, I love the shalls of the Bible. There is no uncertainty here. There is no ambiguity. You're not left to guess. You're not going to die wondering, am I really going to heaven? Here is the Lord saying, he that entereth the door by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And this is all because of the porter's work, because of the night watchman, because he is a living person, and he's faithful to the task while the sheep are resting through the night. And he will not open the door to the thieves and to the robbers. He is the true shepherd. And when you become a Christian, your faith is in the Lord Jesus. You have the absolute certainty that you will be kept safe. Let me just take two minutes and share with you a couple of Bible verses. And I'm doing this for some inquirers here today. Maybe you're asking, is it really true? Is it really true that when you ask the Lord into your heart that you can never be lost, that you can never be in hell, you can never lose your soul? Is the Lord Jesus such a shepherd that he will actually keep you in every situation and present you to God the Father in glory? Let's turn to John 10, verse 28. That's right beside us here uh, in this passage. John 10, verse 28. Well, verse 26 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. There it is. And these are the words of the Lord Jesus. I don't know if you have a red-letter Bible or not, but these are words of our Savior. They come from the mouth of the Son of God. They're not my words. They're not the words even of John who wrote this epistle. He's quoting the Savior. Jesus says here in verse 28, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. You say, well, that's the, the gospel story, and maybe this is a bit of a parable. And it's not true, but maybe you're thinking that parables are a wee bit poetic and they need to be interpreted, and there's a lot of leeway and liberty how you can interpret such statements. When the Lord's talking about sheep, are you sure he's talking about Christians? And, uh, you know, you, you, you build up your confidence in these things when you, when you study the whole Bible and you bring the light of the Bible to bear on them. But let me bring you to another text that teaches it very, very clearly. 1 Peter 1.5, the epistle of Peter, uh, first epistle. Chapter 1, verse 5. I just want to give you a good biblical basis here to lay this truth. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. There's the idea of reservation and preservation. There's the idea of keeping. That brings us back to the shepherd's work. He can keep your soul. Now you think of what you might have to face in the future. We're all growing older and growing weaker. 
Our minds may never be sharper than they are now. In fact, our minds may fail us. Maybe one day I'll not be fit to come to this pulpit and preach the Bible. I'll be too confused. You don't want to come to church to listen to an old, senile, demented preacher. You would say that man's not fit for the pulpit. Why would you go to listen to him? Some might argue, well, he's been doing it for 40 years. Let him go on. No, our minds may fail. Our ability to reason and think. Our situations will change. We will come to that part of life where we will not be capable of many things. What will happen to our soul then? And that's why and we need the assurance of this doctrine, that the Lord is the keeper of our souls, and none shall pluck them out of my hand. Nothing. Let that sink into your heart. And so if you're not a Christian today, we're not offering you some temporary fix-it or feel-good religion. We're offering you the way of salvation that is eternal, sure and certain. And through all the changes of life that every one of us will face, will stand us in good stead for all eternity. And that's the salvation that you need. As plans the heart for growing streams and heat that in the chase so longs my soul of God for thee and thy refreshing Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak today, and I trust that the Lord's Word has been a word for your heart. Listen to this great text, Ephesians 2.16, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. That's Ephesians 2.16. Not many things are truly global where a one fit fits all peoples. Even food chains like McDonald's can find ways to serve every people in every culture and nation. But one thing is totally global, the cross of Christ. The cross is God's instrument to make a national church into an international church. The gospel that was focused on Israel at first is now the gospel for all nations. The cross reconciles all kinds of men to God. 
It brings God and men together by the power of Jesus' blood. It also brings all believers in Christ into the one universal church. God has only one instrument of salvation. There is only one atonement. There is only one power that brings God down to men and men up to God, and that is the cross. The division between Jews and Gentiles was once as a million miles wide. Jews pleaded their covenant heritage as sons of Abram. They practiced their Levitical laws in the use of food, in their clothing, and in Sabbath-keeping. These were based on the laws of commandments contained in ordinances. The cross stripped away all of these. Christ's sacrifice became the fulfillment of all things Levitical. The things which God gave in the Old Testament to serve as pictures of Christ are needed no more, for the person they depicted has come and his work is finished. It all comes back to the cross. Christ's cross is truly the crossroads of history and redemption. It brings Jew and Gentile together into one faith, one baptism, and one hope. The cross has taken down the middle wall of partition, which was between them. Both Jew and Gentile now have the same Savior and the same benefits of redemption. Both have one access to the Father, and both enjoy the same peace with God. No other instrument apart from the cross could have produced this interracial, all-inclusive church. When we see peoples of all nations worship the Lord Jesus together with one voice, we can trace their unity to the cross. They can sing of the same redemption from the same hymnal and rejoice together in the Lord as the Lamb of God. Saints in heaven will rejoice in the cross of Christ. From every tribe, tongue, and nation, they will praise the Savior day and night. When we have more of the cross in our ministries and in our worship, then we will be closer aligned with heaven. More of the cross, our prayer should be, more of the blood of Jesus for me, more of the man of Calvary, more of his cross for all eternity. We bid you to believe and trust in the crosswork of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other hope for your soul. There is no other way back to God from the dark paths of sin. There is no other Savior that will wash you in his blood and throw his arms around you to receive you, even a prodigal, back to the heart of God. And so I bid you today believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And if I can be of personal help to you in your desire to know the Lord, give me a call. Send me an email. You're coming up now to these announcements. Just take note. And I look forward to hearing from you with your desire to be saved. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.lt 
tbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast, and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music